If you're churched and you grew up churched, you know bits and pieces of the Easter story. If you grew up unchurched, you may have heard parts of it and not known how it all fits together, but both churched and unchurched have heard the Easter story. It's the Super Bowl of all stories, right? You know, there were women that ran to the tomb. You know, there was an earthquake. You know, the stone was rolled away. You know, Peter and John came running, looking in there. There were angels. You know bits and pieces, components of the Easter story. And you also know it's the greatest story. The reason it's the greatest story is no other king has ever left his throne and gave his life for his subjects. Every other king has forced his subjects into slavery or into his own needs, but this king gave his life for us. And you know it's a great story, and Christianity truly rises and falls on an event. Have you ever thought about this? Christianity is not wide It's increasingly, incredibly narrow, really. It's not about the teachings of Jesus. It's about an event. It's not about even the miracles of Jesus. It's about an event. It's not about all the stories. It's not about all the things that Jesus did. It's about simply a very narrow event. Either Jesus rose from the dead or he did not. It is really that simple. Christianity is not based on the teachings, great teachings. Christianity is not even based on the crucifixion. Lots and lots and thousands of people were crucified. It's based on an event. Either he did or he did not rise from the dead. About 10 years ago at the YMCA, I became friends with a a man. And he and I would work out at the same time early in the mornings, not together, but we'd work out at the same time. And we became great friends. Now, we're polar opposites. He's an atheist. I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ, historically bodily raising from the dead. Politically, morally, ethically, we're on polar opposites. And by the way, in the last 10 years, he's moved from an atheist to an agnostic. Uh, By the way, his first name is Christian. How ironic is that? (laughs) And he's going to Mass now a couple times. He's never come to Harborside yet. I haven't gotten him to Harborside yet. But one of these days, um, we'll get him, and I'm going to baptize him. And I'm going to hold him down for about three and a half minutes. (laughs) And we'll kill fish for a good five-mile radius. There's a lot of sin. I tell him this all the time. We'll kill a lot of fish for five miles in the Gulf of Mexico. And and, and he's going to Mass now, and he's kind of, you know, checking things out. But, But I said to him one day, As a Christian, I don't understand everything. I can't connect all the dots, but I've got this settled. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's the only thing you've got to figure out now in your life. Either Jesus did or he did not. If he didn't, I'm wasting my time. Live however you want to. If he did rise from the dead, that means you were bought with a price. That means you are not your own. That means everything about you, there's a higher power. And so today, I want to tell a story not about the Super Bowl. If you're churched, even unchurched, you understand the Super Bowl, the resurrection of Jesus. That's cool. That's awesome. We wouldn't be here today if Jesus did not rise from the dead. But I don't want to talk about the Super Bowl. I want to talk about a playoff. Because if you don't win the playoffs, you never get to the Super Bowl. And in the regular season, Jesus has been crushing it. 
In the regular season, he turns water into wine. He heals a man who'd been lame for 38 years. He takes a woman who'd been to every doctor known to mankind for 12 years, and he heals her. He heals a man born blind. Jesus feeds thousands with a little sack lunch, and he walks on water, and he tells the ocean, be still, and the waves calm down. In the regular season, he's killing it. But now it's the playoffs. And if he doesn't win the playoffs, he doesn't get to go forward to the Super Bowl. And the playoffs, I think you and I can relate to even more than the Super Bowl. Because there was a man that Jesus is going to attempt to raise from the dead. And it doesn't matter what he did in the regular season. If he doesn't raise this guy from the dead, he'll never get to go for it. His credibility is shot. It's kind of like a person who does a hundred great things, and then they do something royally that just messes up, and all you can really see is that failure, and you can't think about the successes. If Jesus doesn't raise... Lazarus from the dead. It doesn't matter what he's done up to that point. And I can relate to Lazarus, and I think you can too. Lazarus is a man, a real man. He's not the sinless son of God. I can't relate to that, but I can relate to Lazarus. He had a family. He's got sisters. They don't always get along. Does that happen in your family? He's a businessman. He had to deal with lawyers and contracts and vendors and human resources and the IRS, taxes in that that culture. He's a man that you and I can kind of get our hands around. We don't know about his wife. We don't know about his kids. Is he divorced? Did she die? We don't know. But today, I want to talk about Lazarus. It's the playoffs. And Lazarus is someone that you and I can connect with. So it's in John chapter 11. Here we go with verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha. So we know that he was sick. Okay. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So we know who this sister is, and we know what she did earlier in Scripture. We know about the story. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you, what? One you love is sick. Now, I don't think they're trying to manipulate him, because I know women never manipulate men. And I'm sure she's not trying to do that. But, but, but Lord, I just want you, I want to remind you, the one you love, the one you hang out with, the one who's had you at his house for dinner, he's sick. Okay. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus did love Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So there's a connection between these guys. They hang out together. They fed them. They housed them. They took care of them. Jesus loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Does that make any sense? He's sick. You love him. Get on your donkey, saddle your donkey, and go. Jesus doesn't do that. What did Jesus do for two days? Did he go to McDonald's and hang out at the beach? What did he do? Two days, he waits for Lazarus to not only be dead, but to be good and dead. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back? After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. 
His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Can you imagine how frustrating this was for Jesus to hang with these knuckleheads for three years? Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. He's gone. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. What are they going to believe? They're about to get some insight that he's not just a prophet. They're about to get some insight into who Jesus really is. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go with him that we may die with him. Now, usually we just talk about Thomas being the doubter. But here's a case where Thomas said, let's go. And I want you to circle in your mind right now the word Didymus. And now I'm going to go to John chapter 20, which is after the Super Bowl, which is after post, post-resurrection appearances. And Thomas wasn't there. Thomas didn't see the resurrected Lord. So here we've got Thomas saying, what? Let's go. I got a lot of faith. Come on. And now this story, Thomas is going, I don't think so. Now, Thomas, also known as what? Didymus, one of the 12, was not with his disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, I don't think so. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger, with the nail, if I don't put my hand in his side, I am not going to believe. I want to talk about that word Didymus. That word Didymus means twin. And you are Didymus. I am Didymus. You have a twin nature in you. I have a twin nature in me. There are two natures that beat within my breast. One is foul. One is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. You are a Didymus. I am a Didymus. In John chapter 11, Thomas says, let's go, baby. Let's go. Even if we have to die with him. In John chapter 20, he's going, I don't think so. This really didn't happen. You see, there are times in my life where I have enough faith that I can move a mountain. And there are other times in my life I don't have enough faith to move a leaf. There are times in my life where my my faith is in the zone. Then there's other times where I'm like, my faith's about to careen off the rails. You're a twin. Well, not really. But you have twin natures going on inside of you all the time. And we're going to talk about this at the end of the message, how we can win the day and win every day. But you're the same way. Inside of you, you're incredibly generous, and then you can be incredibly stingy. You can say great words of praise and blessing, and with that same mouth, why did I say that? Are you you with me on that? Am I the only one that says dumb things to my wife. (laughs) You can be so spiritually disciplined. And then like a month later, you're like, I can't even spell discipline. You're a Thomas. I'm a Thomas. And that's the first piece of application I want to make for us this morning. How do we get to the place where we are John chapter 11? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Versus always being a person that's got to have, you know, more signs and wonders. John chapter 11 says this. On his arrival, this is now going back to the Lazarus story where Lazarus is dead. They waited four days and now they made the trip. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now that's significant. 
That culture believed that the spirit stayed with the body for three days. After three days, the spirit completely left the body and it was gone forever. That's just what they taught. And so Jesus purposely waited two more days, took two more days to get there. And by the time he got there, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. There's no way that Lazarus' spirit is still there. That's significant about the four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them. There's a big funeral going on. It's not an hour like our funerals. This is a week, a week-long funeral. Everybody comes in. There's food. They're crying. There's a lot of comfort. It's a week-long process. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you would have been here, now this is called preventative faith, and it's great to pray preventative prayers, and we pray these for our children, and last night, a a woman in our church, she has two sons that are now both in the military, and I asked her, I said, does that improve your prayer life? She says, you bet it does, and and so you can understand that you pray preventative prayers. Lord, if, if you would have been here, and we pray these prayers all the time, and we should, I don't want to get cancer. I don't want to have a car accident. I don't want a son or a daughter. I don't want a parent. We pray preventative prayers all the time. If only you would have been here. But I know that even now, and I love this because this is more resurrection faith prayers. I know that even though right now my marriage is a mess, I know that even though right now my business is not going well, I know that right now that even though school is not going well and I may may not pass chemistry, I know that even now, even now it's been four days, even now there's a stone, even now there's an odor. God, I know, and I love this. This is Didymus. She's Didymus. Two natures going on inside of her. And the question is always, which of these two natures will rule? So here's a question I want to ask for you. Are you living as if you are still nailed to the cross? Or have you risen from the dead? And you will live your life into one of those two categories as a Christian. You will hunker down and you'll worry about the odor and you'll worry about the stone and you'll worry about the four days and you'll worry about the funeral procession. Or you'll say, Lord, even now, I know what you can do. I know who you are. And a lot of believers cling to the cross and are hunkering down and not living in the power of the resurrection. You weren't designed to be on a cross. Somebody already did that for you. You were designed to live in the power of the resurrection. So Didymus is going on inside of you just like it's going on inside of her. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She said, well, I know that. I know he'll rise again at the resurrection to last day. In other words, there's coming a day when he'll rise from the dead. But did she believe that he could rise from the dead right then? No. The spirit had been gone. He'd left her. He'd left Lazarus for four days. And Jesus said to her, and when Jesus says this, I believe all heaven began vibrating. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. 
the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And here's the question for you, and here's the question for me. This is the only question that will ever be on your entrance exam to get to heaven. Do you believe this? Do you believe me? And here's what she says. She says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Now, your life is a series of yeses. The amino acids of your life that make up all the proteins, that make up all the 75 trillion cells inside of you, your life consists of yeses and yeses and yeses and yeses. Now, there are some bad yeses. Yes, I got an alcohol problem, but I'm going to go to happy hour with you. Yes, I know I shouldn't text you back. I'm married or you're married and we're not married to each other. So I, Yes, I know I shouldn't date you because I, the Holy Spirit told me this is not going to work out. So there's lots of bad yeses. But she said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, and, and that's the whole point about this morning. For you to learn to say yes, not to be nailed to a cross, but for you to live in the power of the resurrection. Yes, Lord, I, I believe. You see, the only thing you really have to figure out today if you're unchurched is whether or not he did or he did not rise from the dead. That's really what you have to figure out. Either he did or he did not come off that cross. And so, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I repent. Yes, Lord, I confess. Yes, Lord, I'll get baptized. Yes, Lord, I'll give. Yes, Lord, I'll serve. Yes, Lord, I'll lean in. Yes, Lord, I'll be your man. Yes, Lord, I'll be your woman. Yes, Lord, I'll learn the Bible. Yes, Lord, I'll learn to pray. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's my question for you this morning. Are you saying yes to the right things and to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords? I hope so because that's your destiny. Now, who is this? Who is it? Bono. He's the lead singer for? It's a little weird to have Bono on Easter, right? Not exactly a, you know, we could have like Billy Graham's picture, but we got Bono. Harborside's got Bono. That's our style here. Could have had Billy, but we got Bono up on the screen. Rolling Stones magazine interviewed Bono and asked him about Jesus Christ. It's a great story. Christ has been ranked among the world's greatest thinkers, Rolling Stones magazine asks. But son of God, isn't that far-fetched, they asked this great singer. The lead singer of U2 responded, no, it's not far-fetched for me. Look, the secular response to the Christ story always goes like this. He was a great prophet who had a lot to say along the lines of other great prophets, be they Elijah, Muhammad, Buddha, or Confucius. But actually, Christ doesn't allow you that. Bono's saying this. He doesn't let you off the hook. Christ says, no, I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm saying I am the Messiah. I'm not saying I am God incarnate. I'm saying I am God incarnate. And people say, no, 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 just be a prophet, a prophet we can take. And here's how he concludes the article with Rolling Stone magazine. Bono says this. So what you're left with is either Christ the other Christ was who he said he was, the Messiah, or he was a complete nutcase. And Bono 
has given his life to Jesus Christ. And Bono has figured out that he did come off that cross, and he did come out of that grave, and he did rise from the dead. That's, that's what you've got to figure out. And the beautiful thing about this faith is the king is not going to coerce you to follow him. It's called free will. And you freely choose whether or not to give your life to Jesus Christ. Well, I love how John chapter 11 kind of ends. So Jesus is deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, here's Didymus going on again, right? That heart. But Lord, said the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, thank goodness he was very specific because he would have just said, come out from the dead. A million people would have come out of their graves. (laughs) Think about this. It was good. He was very narrow, right? He was very specific. Lazarus. And Lazarus then comes out looking like a mummy. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And what you got to realize is in that culture, they wrapped you about a foot on each side of your head. You literally had a, a foot worth of wrappings this side of you and this side of you in front of you and in the back of you. And he, he was stiff. I mean, there was no, no reason to have, you know, joints working right now. The guy's dead. So he's coming out of this tomb, you know, doing the mummy walk. And he can't breathe. He's got this thing wrapped around his face so tight he can't breathe. And if they don't hurry up and take their grave clothes off, Jesus is going to have to do this again, isn't he? He's going to die all over again. And so there's humor in this. Take the grave clothes off and let him go, says Jesus. Let, let him go. Oh, I love that. And then the Bible says this. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, they believed in him. Your life is a series of yeses. What will you do? Will you win the day? Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you say yes to church? Will you say yes to putting godly people around you? If you want to learn to pray, will you put people in your life who know how to pray? If you want to learn the Bible, will you put people in your life who know the Bible? Today you can go on you version and download the Bible on your phone and play it through the Bluetooth in your car. It's so easy to learn the scriptures today. Will, will you say yes? Your life is about saying yes. We've got all these t-shirts called Win the Day, and we do have a bunch of now new women's smalls. So we ran out of women's smalls a couple of weeks ago, and I thought we were going to have a revolt on our hands. So we've got new t-shirts. You can get those today if you want to. And we want you to get the t-shirts because we want to be reminded that we're trying to win the day. And how you win the morning is you say yes to God. And how you win the midday is you say yes to God. And how you win the afternoon is you say yes to God. And how you win the evening is you say yes to God. Your life is a series of incredible yeses.
Well, Thomas said yes. It was a week later. This is now after the Super Bowl when he says this. Jesus showed up to the boys. He wasn't there. And now Jesus shows up again in the post-resurrection appearances. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, What? My Lord and my God. A Speedway, Indiana police officer invited my dad to a Campus Crusade for Christ Bible study. We were more in that unchurched than we were churched culture. And this Speedway, Indiana police officer took a risk and invited my father to a Bible study in the neighborhood. And he went. Shockingly, he went. My mom did too. My mom was all in. But this was big for dad. Probably six months goes by and the Bible study's coming to an end, and the leader said, everybody needs to find a local church. You've got to get connected to a local church. So we went church shopping. We've never, never done that before. I, it's highly overrated, by the way. We went church shopping, and there's some really bad churches and some really unhealthy churches, and there were some really great churches. And so we landed at a Christian church, a non-denominational independent Christian church, really very similar um, to Harborside. And I've been playing basketball as a Tuesday. I've been playing basketball. I had practice, and I came home. I'm, I'm a freshman in high school. And the preacher is in our living room. Now, our, our, your house may have had preachers, but my house didn't have preachers coming into it. And I, I thought, this is going to be good. And I just sat down because I wanted to see how this was going to go down because I thought Dad's going to kick him out of the house any moment. And the preacher starts talking about hell, and if dad didn't, you know, he's going to go to hell. And I'm going, here we go. Dad's going to tell him to go straight to hell any minute now. This is going to be good. And I'm just sitting there excited on the edge of my seat, waiting for my dad to, you know, let him have it. And uh, my dad got real humble. And in our living room, he gave his life to Christ. The preacher then turns to me. When I tell you what I said, you may have wished you'd have gone to a Lutheran church this morning. He said, young man, what about you? And I said, no, I'm not ready for that stuff yet. That's your preacher. How about that, huh? I said, no. That was Tuesday, and all week long, this Didymus was working on me. And on Sunday morning... When it came time for an altar call, my dad looked at me and nodded as if, I'm going down, I'm going down to the altar, and I'm going to be baptized. What about you? And I said, yes. I can remember that scene. Dad's wearing a white robe. I'm in a robe. He was baptized first. I can see the, the water just falling off of him. I can see him in the corner of the baptistry waiting for me to be baptized and watching me. I can see that as if it happened five minutes ago. He said yes. I said yes. 
will you say yes this morning? The, the most important decision of your life is saying yes to the Savior who wants to forgive you and cleanse you, give you eternal life, get you off of a cross, and get you living in the power of the resurrection, even now, Lord. And so we've got what's called a salvation prayer. Um, it's a cool prayer, and I'm going to ask all of us to stand with us right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to be sincere about this prayer. It's a prayer about asking for forgiveness and confessing your need for Christ. But the good news is we're all going to do that with you. All of us in the room are going to say this together. But this is your moment. This is your moment to say yes. As a cloud of brothers and sisters, we've come as church to come around you. But this is your moment where you get cleansed and forgiven and free. So, church, are you ready? All right, all of us who are ready and willing to say this together. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I am so grateful that you are able and willing to forgive me of all my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. And at that's this moment, I give my whole life to you. Thank you for allowing me to become a Christian and live with you forever. Amen. 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 You are the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only true God. And we worship you today. The regular season, you were stellar. You won every playoff game. And you won this Super Bowl. You you came off that cross, and the Father raised you from the dead. And we live today in the power of the resurrected Jesus. To your glory we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Easter. God bless you.